Good morning. I get so into worship sometimes I kind of forget, and then I open my eyes. I'm like, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> so that was one of those times. Um, good morning. How are you? I am Cami. If you don't know who I am, I'm the children's pastor here at Lake Point. Um, some of you may not know. I also within the last year, have really dived, dove into uh, women's ministry as well, so women's discipleship. Um, and I'm everyone's favorite pastor, right? Right? Come on. <laughs> All right. We are in a series called Stand in the Gap. We're in the last week. And going along with our series, we're doing a 30-day challenge of everyday intentional prayer. Who's doing that with us? Okay, a couple people. All right, so tell me honestly, how's it going? Thumbs up, it's going great. Middle, like meh, some days are better than the others, and thumbs down, it's really, really hard. What do we do? Oh, similar to first service, a lot of mess. I think that's, that's pretty common. Um, if I had to say, I'd say thumbs down. It's just really hard for me, and I don't know if it's the time of day. <laughs> 7.15 is a madhouse in my house. Like, kids are running around brushing their teeth and getting breakfast ready and getting dressed and making beds, and there's a puppy that has to go outside, and we're getting backpacks packed, and I have to get myself ready. And 7.15 just is hard. So there's been times where my alarm goes off, and I go, oh, okay, Jesus, give me the heart and the, people, the prayers for the people in my life. Amen. And I keep going. Right? Anyone else? I hope I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, if we can do it at 5 a.m. next time, that would be, that would be much better for me. Um, and also, it took me until about day 13 to even know who I was praying for. So some days, I'm just not sure what to pray. I don't know who to pray for. The world is hard right now, and I just feel desperate, but I have no words to pray. And... I find myself going, you do you, God. I'm just going to sit back here and, and watch you. <laughs> um, but I hope that's not just me. We're going to dive into that today. Uh, that's where I want to focus. But before we do that, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and who you made us to be. I thank you that um, today you get to speak through me. Lord, I pray that your words would be spoken today. I pray that they fall on hearts that are ready to receive. And I just pray that um, today's the message would, would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to dive in right into Genesis chapter 18 today. So you can use your physical Bible. The words will be on the screen, or you can use your Bible app. But I just want to give you a little backstory. Abraham and Sarah, who remembers Abraham and Sarah? They were the really old people. They had babies when they were 90 and 100, right? Okay, so we're going to talk about Abraham today. They're living in a region called Mamre. It's up in the hills right above the Jordan. Um, and Abraham's nephew, Lot, was living with them. He was traveling with them. And it got to the point where they were both gaining land. They were both gaining uh, cattle, livestock, and their herdsmen started quarreling. And so Abraham, for the sake of his relationship, said, okay, Lot, we should separate. You go your way, I'll go my way. That way we're not quarreling. And so Abraham gave Lot the first pick, right? So Lot went down into the lush area of the Jordan, down near a city called Sodom. 
And Abraham went the other way and went up to Mamre. And then a couple chapters later, Abraham actually has to save Lot. He has to save him from captivity. Um, and so it's very clear in Genesis that Lot is Abraham's one. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this, we're on a 40-week journey to reach our one, to disciple our one person. And Lot is very clearly Abraham's one. So that brings us to our passage. I'm going to paraphrase this first chunk um, because it's a lot of details that we don't really need to know, but um, I think it's important. So a man comes, and it's God, God in man form. He's not glowing. He's not huge. He's not like a booming voice. It's just a man, but it's God in man form. And he shows up to Abraham's tent one day with two other men, and Abraham goes, wait, sit, okay, just stay, (laughs) like a puppy, (laughs) just sit and stay, God. And so he goes and he runs and he tells Sarah and he said, get the bread going. He went and goes and gets uh, cattle and says, prepare the best cattle. And he runs and grabs some cheese curds and milk and brings it back to God because clearly he's from Wisconsin. And he brings a bowl of water to clean his feet as well. And he sits with God. So what I want you to hear in this first section that I love is that Abraham doesn't just pray whenever he wants. He he intentionally seeks out this time to sit with God. And he wants to be near him. He meets his needs as a a human. Uh, Verse 17 is where it gets interesting. God starts having a conversation, I'm assuming with his angels. (laughs) But Abraham's standing right there. He's saying, should I tell him what's happening? Should I tell him where, what we're going to do? Well, Abraham's a, a really, you know, faithful guy. He's been good. I'm going to bless him, so maybe I should. Like, I think if I were Abraham, I'd be like, um, I'm, right, I'm right here, <laughs> right here, right? Um, then verse 20, the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, remember that's where Lot lives, is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. I don't know about you, but if God was in my presence and he was telling me he's going to destroy the city that my family lives in, I think I'd say, God, I'm going to go get you more cheese curds. You chill here. I'm going to go pick up my family so they're out of the city, and then you can go do whatever you want. Right? I'd try to take control. I would try to fix the situation for my family members. But that's not what Abraham does. The next verse says, Abraham, sorry, the men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. He remained. He didn't shy away. He didn't, he didn't run away. He stayed to hear the rest of what God was about to do. And to intercede. Jesus used that same word remain in John chapter 15 verse 4. He said, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. How often do we face the hard, the scary, the uncertain, and we go, I give up, right? Or you feel like you hear a calling from God. You're like, okay, God, you put this in my path, and it gets hard, and you go, oh, I must have heard incorrectly. 
it's hard. God, God isn't blessing it, right? Or we're diving in deep. We're, we're diving in deep with this prayer for this one person, and the alarm goes off, and go, Jesus, give me your heart and your prayer for the people in my life. Amen. And you keep going, right? This prayer challenge we're doing is just as much for you as it is for that one person you're praying for. It's about learning how to remain in Jesus day in and day out, to remain in the vine that gives you life. In week one, oh, hold on. My notes got messed up. There we go. Okay, where are my road trippers? Road trippers? No one? Oh, one family. Okay. So what I'm going to tell you about road tripping is I grew up doing it, and I am like a master at sleeping in the car. I've literally trained my body to sleep in the car. This morning, in fact, we're heading up north right after this, and um, I was telling my husband, you need to pack some pillows and blankets so the kids can take a nap in the car. And my husband goes, do you need a blanket too? And I said, no, I think I'll be fine. He goes, I'll pack you a blanket. Because <laughs> he just knows, right, that I just sleep all the time in cars. So I grew up in a car. My dad's family lived in Southern California. My mom's family lived everywhere. So we were constantly, every year, driving somewhere. And if you're a road tripper, you know that it never fails. You have car trouble in the worst place, in the middle of nowhere, with no resources, <laughs> And so that happened to us. We went to California one year for Christmas, and somewhere in New Mexico, I think it was, we uh, got stuck. Our wheel bearing went out in our van. We had to get it to a shop, and then we stayed in this little tiny town. I'm pretty sure there were like five buildings, a hotel, a fast food restaurant. I think it was Taco Bell, and this auto shop, and maybe two others. So... We drop off the van, we stay the night, we end up having to stay the next day sitting at the auto shop until it's done. Another time I was driving home from college here, I, go, I went to UWM and I grew up in Green Bay. And side note, that is the worst 100 mile drive ever. Like I think I'd rather drive across country every two weeks than drive the 100 miles to Green Bay. <laughs> but anyway, this particular time, I drove every 25 miles, I'd get off the off-ramp, and I would pray that when the light turned green or when I could go at the end of the off-ramp, I could go again because I had to get to the store and get two more quarts of transmission fluid and pour in the transmission fluid, and that red liquid would leak out just as fast as it went in. And I'd be on my way, and I'd drive 25 more miles. I don't know why I didn't just pick up, like, couple gallons of it. <laughs> I think I thought, oh, it's just low. It just needs, just needs uh, transmission fluid. It'll be fine. Uh, but every 25 miles, I'd put two quarts in, and then I'd pray at the next stop that I'd be able to get going again. Another time, I was leaving my apartment in Milwaukee, and literally still in the alleyway of my apartment building, I felt something snap in my brakes. I could still use them. I had to push all the way to the floorboard. I could still use them. So I drove the 100 miles back up to Green Bay because I was a poor college student, and my dad knew how to fix it, so I was not going to pay to have it fixed in Milwaukee. I don't recommend doing those last two things. Please do not drive on bad transmission or bad brakes. But I was a poor college student, like I said, and I couldn't do anything. All I could do was remain in the situation same with California. We couldn't, 
We couldn't rent a car. There was nowhere to rent a car. We just had to sit and remain and get it fixed, right? So as Abraham's remaining with Jesus, he does something that's pretty cool. He's bold. So that's our first point if you're taking notes. Be bold. I'm going to read the next chunk of of scripture because it's uh, perfect for this. It says, then Abraham says, verse 23, then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again and said, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke. What if only 40 are found there? He said, For the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? Are you seeing a pattern? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30. Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And when the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. Now, I can't help but think, it doesn't explicitly say this, but I can't help but think he was asking boldly for Lot. Why was it so important that Abraham asked God to save Sodom? He, he could have cared less about Sodom. In fact, he said so just a couple chapters before that. Why did he care? Because of Lot, because of his one And in week one of the series, Brian said, intercession is persistence. Abraham was persistent. My son has been asking for a Nintendo Switch for about a year and a half. And every time I come home from the store and I say, I got something for you, he goes, Nintendo Switch? And I go, no, it's an ice cream sandwich, sorry. (laughs) But... He's even agreed to save up for this, and at seven years old, he has almost $100 saved up for this Nintendo Switch. You guys, that's persistence. And you better believe, as I'm thinking about Christmas gifts, I'm going to think about the things that he's been asking for, not the one random thing in a catalog that he's been circling one time, right? Are you being bold in your prayers? Are you being persistent? Are you filling the transmission fluid and believing you'll get there, or are you giving up and calling a tow truck? Being bold doesn't mean you're demanding God to do what you want. Being bold simply means that you know God well enough to come boldly before him. How many of you have people in your lives that you're like, can talk to, no filter, bluntly, say whatever you want, right? Usually it's a spouse, a family member, a parent, a sibling, a best friend. God wants to be that someone too, someone that you will come before him boldly, without a filter, honestly. And I think God recognizes faith in boldness. 
I think he recognized Abraham's faith and his boldness and his ability to question him. Our key verse for this series is from Ezekiel 22:30. It says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Abraham was being that one. He was building a wall between God and Sodom, specifically between God and Lot. Now, the other thing Abraham did was he was specific. So he started at 50 people, right? He got to 45, 40, 40 30, 20, 10, right? He, he got more and more specific as he kept asking. And I bet if you continue this prayer challenge with us, you're going to start over here with, God, give me your heart and your prayer for the people in my life. And then you move to, God, help me to know what the people in my life need and help me to love them well. And then you say, God, help my neighbor in whatever situation he's dealing with. And then you say, God, Bill's in a tough marriage. He needs love. Help me to know how to love him well. See how I got more specific as I prayed more for my person as I figured out who that person was? Be specific. And the third thing is expect him to move. Now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. Uh, Chapter 19, um, spoiler alert, Sodom and Gomorrah get destroyed. Um, And you can read that on your own time. It kind of makes my stomach curl some of the scenes in that that chapter. Um, But what I love is that the angels went down to Sodom. They went to Lot's house, and they said, you need to get out. You, your wife, your family, you need to get out. So him, Lot, his wife, and his two daughters left. Okay? That's a family of four. God promised ten. He promised to save the city if there were ten. He didn't promise to save Lot. He said, I will destroy the entire city if I can find ten righteous people. Jump to verse 29. It says, So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe and overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. God remembered Abraham because Abraham stood, Abraham remained in the gap. Does God need Abraham? Nope. He could save people himself. He just did it. He did it for Lot, right? But he wants Abraham. He wants us to draw near, to remain, and he desires the hearts of the people in our lives too. So ask expecting answers. If you're joining us in this challenge to disciple others, to reach your one, you better be ready for God to move because he will. That one trip where I drove with the bad brakes, again, I don't (laughs) recommend it. I was heading up north for my brother's going away party because he was um, leaving for his first deployment to Iraq. And um, so my brakes snapped in the alleyway and I said, I'm going to have to nurse it. I got to get home. I got to get home. I have to see him before he leaves. I can't not see him. He'll be gone a year. And God wants that kind of expectancy from us, the deep desires of our heart for another person. God doesn't need you to stand in the gap. He's all-powerful. He can turn hearts, and ultimately, he's the one doing the work. But don't you want to? Don't you want to stand before him and say, but what about my one, God? What about my 10? What about my 30? However many it is. 
He desires your heart, your love, your will to remain in him, to ask big questions and lean into him with small things too. And he desires the people in your life. Does he need you to ask boldly? No. Does he want you to come every single day? Yes. Persistently, right? This prayer challenge shouldn't end eight days from now. It shouldn't end 45 days from now. It shouldn't even end when 2020 ends, which, hallelujah, it's almost done. (laughs) Um, But what starts as maybe a rehearsed prayer will turn into a desperate prayer as you become bold, as you continue to pray for your one person, pray with boldness, persistence, and remain in the one who can shift things in that person's heart. Because bottom line, he's doing the shifting, not you. I have one more story, and then we'll close. Um, Two years ago, we found out that we were pregnant with our third baby. And um, after, after Christmas... We went in for our 10-week ultrasound, and everything looked great. They put the little wet goo on me that feels so gross. And uh, they, they saw the baby, the heartbeat, everything was healthy. And so we went to the exam room, which is not uncommon, and we waited for the doctor. And the ultrasound tech came back and said, um, I didn't get the heartbeat recorded, but we had seen it. We saw it on the, on the screen. She goes, I just didn't get the recording. It didn't record. It must be tech malfunction. So we went back, and she said, um, she got it. She got the goop on me again, which is, again, really gross. <laughs> and again, we went back to the exam room, and our doctor walked in and said, there's a 50-50 chance this baby's going to make it. She said, I want you to prepare yourself, prepare your heart, that next week when you come back, your baby won't be living. She said, there's hope. Some babies come out of this. So we went home. We prayed hard. We prayed hard. But our prayers, the most specific, bold prayers that we prayed were for peace. Peace for myself. Peace for my babies. Peace for my husband. No matter the outcome, we prayed for peace. And a week later... We went back, and baby had died. And the next day, I felt overwhelming peace. Overwhelming peace. That there's no possible way that I could have ever manifested that kind of peace in myself after just hearing that my baby wouldn't live. No way. And during that season, I felt so clearly God say, I've got you. I've got you. Take my hand. Let's do this together. It's hard. It's so hard. But I got you. See, I think so often we want this to be easy. But discipleship and people in this world are not easy. It's heavy and it's broken. But we have a Savior who says, I've got you. Come to me, remain in me, seek me. Let's reach one together. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful that day in, day out, you you come and you are ready for us to approach you. We're so thankful 
that we can remain in you, that we can come to you, that no matter what, your love doesn't change. You never give up. Lord, I pray that as we continue this prayer challenge, as we continue, as we go past the prayer challenge, I pray that you would continue to stir our hearts, that we would remain in you, remain in the one that gives us life. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to disciple those that one person in our life. Jesus, give us the heart and the prayer for the people in our life.